You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Family Secrets is a production of iHeartRadio. I'm Danny Shapiro, and this is probably the last bonus episode of Family Secrets before we launch our all-new season on September 1st. I'm very excited about our lineup and can't wait to share it with you all. I've been hearing from so many of you about the personal impact this podcast has had on your lives, and that couldn't mean more to me, which is why I'm especially excited to introduce you to Professor Michael Slepian, author of The Secret Life of Secrets. Michael is the Sanford C. Bernstein Associate Professor of Leadership and Ethics at Columbia Business School. His research will be of particular interest to Family Secrets listeners. How does keeping secrets affect us? Listen in to our conversation. What led you to your research on the impact of secrets? I stumbled into this research topic where I wasn't originally trying to study secrecy, but I was interested in metaphor and how we use 
physical experiences to understand more abstract concepts. And so my earliest studies on secrecy was interested in this metaphor that people will use for talking about their secrets. They'll say they feel weighed down by a secret or that a secret can be heavy or weighty. And so my original studies just asked, well, if people think about or if they, if they speak about secrets in this way, does that mean they think about secrets in this way? Does that mean when a secret is on their mind, they might feel a sense of burden? And so my original studies asked participants to answer questions that we knew vary with the experience of physical burden. So when someone feels encumbered by something that they're carrying or they feel fatigued for any reason, they judge distances far as farther and hills as deeper because it requires more effort to, to scale a hill or to walk a distance. And sure enough, when participants were thinking about secrets that preoccupied their mind, they made the same kinds of judgments. They saw hills as steeper. They made thought distances were farther, they thought tasks were, would require more effort. That's fascinating. There's a moment in your book where you talk about a crackling fire in a fireplace, except the fireplace is on television, and people experiencing um, the warmth, a, a sensation of warmth looking at a fire on, on the television screen. Yes, and so this was was like that. It's, even though there's, of course, not anything physically weighing you down by a secret, could it still somehow, in some small way, feel that way. And, and their, my early studies suggested, yes. Um, you tell a personal story, which is as a young professor, it seems recently, you know, kind of going on the job market. Um, you, you go um, to Columbia University, which is um, where, you, where you currently do your research and, and teach um, for a job interview. And you're out to dinner with some of your future colleagues and your phone rings a couple of times and you don't pick it up. But um, the calls from your father, and this concerns you. So when you do call your father back, uh, he asks you if you're sitting down. Then he goes on to say, the reason I'm calling is I wanted to let you know that I'm not biologically able to have children. He was telling me that he's not my biological father and that I was born by a donor conception, and so was my brother five years later different donor, all of a sudden half-brother. And so, as you know, <laughs> it's, that's really surprising. But it was the secret keeping that I found even more surprising. Yeah, without knowing it, without having any consciousness of uh, the fact that your parents had actually been secret keepers, um, without the knowledge of that, that you went into this field, is that something that since then, you've sort of interrogated for yourself in terms of, like I know on this podcast, something that comes up pretty often is this phrase from um, the psychoanalyst and writer Christopher Bolas, which is the unthought known, you know, what we what we somehow intuit or know, but can you know can never think. Was that present at all for you, or was this really a coincidence? It never was something that I saw coming, and it, you know, at first I thought. It was just this amazing coincidence, or maybe not amazing, but certainly a coincidence. But years later, as I got closer to this book, and especially as I started writing it, I started asking my parents more questions about what it was like to keep this secret. And I learned so much that I was just like, why didn't I ask these questions years ago? 
there was just so much I didn't know about what it was like to keep that secret and, and some of the details around the decisions they made and who was involved in the decision and what it was like to carry that secret, especially that last part. I learned that, you know, their experiences were really mapping onto what I would be finding in my research at the same time, that they said it wasn't hard to conceal in conversation. It was, in fact, quite easy. But sometimes they had to revisit that decision and in their own thoughts, and that's what was difficult. What year was it when your father called you and told you this? This was 2013. 2013. So that was, I mean, yes, there was DNA testing out there, and People were discovering things, but it was really actually pretty early. Um, Parents weren't yet thinking, oh, I better tell my children because they're going to find out. That wasn't happening yet. It's certainly happening now, uh, 10 years later. You're right. It's, It's amazing how big of a difference there is across those years. So your parents were unusual for the time, even a decade ago, um, in making the decision to tell you and your brother. And so you ask your your mom, you know, when did you decide to tell me? And this made me laugh. She says, when did you, your first paper on secrecy come out? I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I just never, so so there are de- they are more deeply related in, the, in that sense and that I couldn't, my own research was changing her thinking about whether to continue keeping the secret. Your mother and father were making a choice that really was informed by the research that, that that you've been doing and and what they were understanding about that. I mean, I think that's fascinating. Yeah, me too. And it was something that came out much later. I just, you know, even even once a secret like this is out, it's not the kind of thing you talk about a lot. And so there was still so much for me to learn about, about this experience for them years later. So one of the things that you write in your book is we must define secrecy not as something we do, but as an intention. Um, I intend for people not to learn this thing. Uh, And that was, I mean, the the distinctions that you make and the sort of the ways in which you um, parse secret keeping um, were were really interesting to me. You know, the, the tagline for this show is the secrets that are kept from us, the secrets we keep from others, and the secrets we keep from ourselves. And your focus, it seems in your research, is the secrets we keep. Would you say that's accurate? Yeah, I think so. So this intention, what have you learned about what keeping secrets does to us um, beyond the, the, the sort of the weight or that you were describing, the, you know, the, the making the hills you know, look steeper and the load heavier? So what's useful about this definition of secrecy as an intention rather than an action is it allows for the reality, which is that as soon as you intend to keep a secret, you have a secret. I think probably the most prototypical example is someone cheats on their partner and immediately they have a secret well before they ever have to have a conversation with their partner where they might be thinking about it. And so the moment you intend to keep a secret is when it can start affecting you and your mind is going to return to this intention time and time again. That's actually what it means to have an intention in any domain. You want to be easily reminded of it. And sometimes you might have to act on that intention, but it turns out that's pretty rare. The typical secret is not one that you frequently need to hide in conversation, is not one that people ask you questions about very often. And so a lot of the action that's happening 
in your own head on your own time where the more people simply think about their secrets outside of situations when they need to conceal them, the more ashamed they can feel of those secrets, the more isolated they can feel with those secrets, the more uncertain about whether they're doing the right thing. And so each of those experiences are associated with lower health and well-being. That's so interesting. One of the things that you write is that people, all people have secrets, but not all secrets are alike. Um, Some secrets don't hurt, others do. You did this research in which you identified 38 of the most common secrets by surveying a couple thousand people for that particular um, survey in the United States, asking them, what, what is a secret you're currently keeping? What did you discover about, within those 38 most common secrets, say, the ones that, that hurt us and, and the ones that don't? And so this, this turns out to be another important aspect of this research, whereas the research that came before mine would often study sort of one secret at a time, um, often one they fabricated in the lab environment. And the problem with that kind of design is that can't get you very far because people have multiple secrets. And, and the question is, which are the ones that hurt you? And to ask that question, you have to look at the whole set of secrets that people have. And so essentially, there's three different answers to this question. Um, the secrets that we feel are really immoral Those are the secrets we frequently think about and feel ashamed about. The secrets that feel really personal. Those are secrets that we frequently think about and feel isolated with. And secrets that are not based in logic or reason or goals or aspirations, but are more feeling-based. Those are the secrets we feel we don't have much insight into. And again, we think about those secrets frequently. And, And so it's not a specific kind of secret. It's not you know, one of the secrets from the list that's especially harmful, but it's the ways in which you experience these common secrets. And the more you feel that it's immoral, the more you feel that it's personal, or the more you feel like you don't have insight into it, the more that that secret is going to be harming your well-being. I wonder whether in all three of those um, ways of, of, of keeping secrets that are, that are harmful, whether there's a commonality among them, which would be a sense that no one would understand. I mean, one of the the themes that recurs again and again on this podcast is where there's secrecy, there's shame, you know, thrumming beneath it so often, or if not shame, a sense of um, isolation or, you know, uh, nobody would understand this. If, If I said this out loud, I would be either, you know, reviled or mocked or just looked at blankly. The research shows that these experiences of confiding a secret or revealing a secret often go much better than we anticipate them to. And you're right, people think people won't understand or they'll be quick to judge or think worse of them. But when we choose to be alone with something, when we when the only venue to work on something is your own mind, you often develop pretty unhealthy ways of thinking about that thing that isn't curbed by the reality checks that come out in the real world. And so that is the reason people hold back, but it's quite often miscalibrated. The average experience someone has with revealing a secret to another person is that they felt something good came out of it. They felt like they got help. And so, of course, we have this worst case scenario in mind, but it's really, really, really rare. Yeah, and that's that's really good to hear, and I think it's really good for all Family Secrets listeners to hear because um, that also is what gets reiterated again and again and again over the course of 
seven seasons and 70 interviews, the feeling ultimately in each case is feeling uh, somewhat liberated or freed, you know, from this haunting. So you tell a story in the book about a woman named Melody Casson. It was so astonishing, really, and um, and illuminating about, uh, because it's not always, you know, people are afraid of being quote-unquote found out, but that doesn't actually seem to be the most damaging part of secret keeping. Yeah, so this is a story about someone who, at the age of 15, had a had a child, and that child died um, at the age of 15 days. And what had happened, or what was reported to the police at the time, was that she accidentally rolled onto her son and suffocated him as a result. 52 years after this happened, when there was a police uh, person over on another unrelated issue, she all of a sudden confessed to the police officer and said that she needed to correct the record and said that I've been living with this pain all my life. And what happened 52 years prior is that it was this, you know, she has a newborn baby. Her father is unwell. Her mother's in the hospital recovering from an operation. She has a sister home and her sister's fiance, and they need to get up early for work. And so it's this really delicate situation at home where, you know, tensions are tensions are rising and, and her baby her her newborn son is just crying and crying and crying, you know, as newborns will do. And she was just trying to get it to be quiet. And she thought if she could just muffle its voice, his voice for a second, the sobbing would stop. And so she held a cushion over his face and and the crying did stop. And then when she removed the cushion, she immediately could tell what she did. And, you know, she she just froze. (laughs) And, and so it was reported as an accident. And in some ways that is pretty close to the truth, but this was something that was on her mind for the next 52 years to the extent that she felt like she finally needed to come clean, even though this could put her at risk for, for jail time. Um, that's not what happened, but it could have happened. And so when you think about a story like that, you think, well, why would someone put themselves at this legal peril just to get a secret off their chest? And it it reminds you that we want to talk about our secrets. The reason she wanted to do this is she couldn't, she didn't want to be alone with this anymore. Her Her worry wasn't about one day being found out, but that nobody would ever find out and she just didn't want to be alone with it anymore and so she revealed it even when it's something really big even though there's this huge risk she took for her was worth it you know we don't want to be alone we don't want to be alone with our thoughts and so we want to share these things even the difficult things the judge said you know you've been living with this all your life and you you know you really had this lifelong guilt and nothing I can do can ever change that. And you've essentially already have served your time um, and suffering for this alone with this. And so she didn't give out jail time, um, just a suspended sentence. And so it's so hard to imagine being alone with this thing for decades and decades and, and just not wanting to do it anymore. I think that's one of the things that 
I found most poignant about um, sort of that aspect of your research is that it seems it's such a human uh, need, longing, desire to be known. And um, there's this quote from uh, from D.W. Winnicott that I sometimes share and have written about, uh, which is, it is a joy to be hidden, but disaster not to be found. And I just, you know, thinking about being known and its inverse, you know, what it is to suffer the 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 isolation of knowing that's that you know something that no one else knows um i mean this is obviously a a, a, a huge secret um i mean in terms of what it's you know what its content is but is that something that you've seen um elsewhere in your research is is that feeling of the burden just getting heavier and heavier and heavier until it's just not possible to keep bearing it so we're, we're at the forefront of what we know on this topic here, um, the relationship between time and, and secrecy. And I think you're right that certain secrets get heavier over time. I, I think there's a different set of secrets that get lighter over time as it becomes less relevant to our life. And then I think there's secrets that can sort of reappear as, as something in your life changes and all of a sudden it's burdensome again. That's so interesting. The idea of secrets reappearing and becoming burdensome again, does that have to do like the pattern of, of something coming up that reminds one of it or, you know, sort of brings it up again or makes it relevant again? Yeah, I think there's that. I think, you know, it, it wasn't relevant for years and years and all of a sudden it's relevant again for some reason. I think entering into a new serious relationship, a romantic relationship, also has this flavor of reactivating secrets where when you're in this like new relationship, you're like, okay, here are the things I need to tell them when the time is right. And and there's that sort of slowly revealing your cards as you get closer. Um, but it could be things that ha- haven't been in your mind in, in so long. What about the kinds of secrets that, that grow lighter over time? That's really interesting. I think some secrets, that even though they're huge at the time, they just lose their relevance um, as life moves on and as you change. And, you know, maybe your new situation is you don't know any of the people involved anymore. You know, you don't live in this place anymore. Your life is totally different now, whether it's because you have a totally different career or you now you have a family, whatever it is. I think as life changes, so do we. And, and some really big secrets from our past don't feel as relevant anymore and i think they kind of lie dormant until for some reason you get reminded of them again we'll be right back tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles it's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results introducing smart metabolic burn from brain md your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat imagine burning fat balancing glucose levels and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks this unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula berberine which targets abdominal fat and oea which curbs your appetite with just two capsules a day smart metabolic burn by brain md can kickstart your metabolism fight stubborn body fat especially that pesky abdominal fat and support your weight management journey right now save over 30 percent on smart metabolic burn at getsmartburn.com the lowest price anywhere that's getsmartburn.com don't delay transform your life with smart metabolic burn from brain md these statements have not been evaluated by the food and drug administration our products are not intended to diagnose treat cure or prevent 
any disease. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Let's talk a little bit about the distinction between secrecy and privacy. You know, we we use the expression, you know, I'm a very private person, or, you know, some people are not particularly private in the sense of feeling comfortable sharing all sorts of detail about their lives, whether it's their histories or their financial lives or their work lives or their family life, whatever it might be. But talk about the distinction between holding a secret, and just feeling private. This is where that definition comes in handy again. And so there's all kinds of things about us that other people don't know that aren't secrets. You know, it's just something that you would be willing to discuss, but it just has yet to come up. Or it's something you would be willing to discuss, but only if the setting was right, only if you felt comfortable in that moment because, you know, there weren't other people who could overhear or maybe, you know, you need to be close to someone to discuss certain intimate facts. I think, um, you know, discussions around sex and discussions around money are are two good examples of things that we're willing to talk about, um, but only with the right person. But if there's a specific experience, specific sexual experience, or a specific financial decision that you don't want people to know about, and if you ever got asked about it, you would dodge the question or not reveal the true answer. If the reason people don't know this thing about you is you're specifically intending to hold it back, then it's a secret. And so when it's private, it's something you would be willing to discuss, but only if the setting is right. You also write about positive secrets. I've interviewed other people on on the show who um, would would say there's no such thing as an okay secret. Um, you know, mm. all secrets are toxic. What would be examples of positive secrets and their outcome? 
So positive secrets are this really special case, and they really sort of change the rules a little bit, and and they're often good for us. And, and there's really two kinds. There's the 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 big kind is things like marriage proposals. A couple's been trying to get pregnant, and then they do um, some big surprise party or some big gift. Where a lot of these experiences, people purposely keep secret for some period of time so that they have control over how the information comes out and often in a very exciting or celebratory way. And those secrets operate very differently because we feel good about them, but also we really feel in control over them because we have that expiration date of when the secret is going to be revealed and we carefully have chosen the timing and the manner and and who will learn it. And so we feel really in control over our positive secrets, which turns out to be a really healthy feeling. We better cope with life's challenges when we feel in control. There's another kind of positive secret that's, I think it's a bit rare, where there isn't an intent to reveal it. And so these are things like secret hobbies that you enjoy, but think people won't get. Um, You know, whether that's collecting stamps or whether that's watching soap opera shows, what or, you know, for a lot of people, it's actually um, meditating is, is another good example where it's, it's people are like, this is this thing I enjoy. I know the people around me won't get it. And rather than having to deal with that and have a conversation about that, I feel at peace just enjoying this thing by myself. That's interesting, though, because what you're describing there is people around me won't get it. Is there that little bit of the other kind of secret keeping there, which is people people won't get it, so I'm not gonna not gonna share it. That's exactly right. Yeah. So positive secrets you plan to reveal, those are clearly like this totally different set of secrets that just operate so differently. But this other kind of positive secret, it starts blurring the boundaries. You're totally right. Uh, where it does start, the motivations do start seeming the same. Even still. Even when you're fearing a negative reaction, if this is something you enjoy doing, it still seems to operate differently. And so I think there's a lesson there to try to apply to our more prototypically negative secrets, which is, you know, how can we feel okay with them? How can we feel ready to confront them or, or ready to talk about them even? And when it goes back to the the more difficult, you know, to to process secrets or the, the ones that are more you know, damaging to us. I'm wondering how that process unfolds. In order to reach a point of readiness, I'm comfortable sharing this, or I'm comfortable enough, or I'm not afraid enough to uh, share this with a particular person uh, or you know, family member or spouse or partner or, or whatever it is. That has to be preceded by, it would seem, having reached a place of maybe this isn't as bad as I've been thinking for all these years, or may, or I'm a little bit less ashamed, or I've worked on this enough to want to see the benefits of revealing it. Yeah. So, so right, finding some kind of peace with it, some kind of acceptance. If you reach that point, it certainly makes it easier to talk about. But of course, how do you reach that point when you're entirely alone with something, it's really hard. And so if it's something that you feel particularly alone with or that you're struggling with, one other way of thinking about how you might get to a place where you feel comfortable talking about it with someone, and it could be anyone, it could be someone totally removed from it all, and it certainly doesn't have to be the person you're keeping the secret from. It can be a third party. 
and maybe it's to imagine what it would be like to talk about it and what that would actually realistically happen if you if you revealed it to someone. The research is really clear that the typical experience of revealing a secret to a third party, confiding in a third party is is very helpful. Um, you even a small amount of help, even a small amount of support seems to go a really long way. And so maybe it's thinking about, well, how is this hurting me? What do I need help with? What would make me feel better about this thing? And could that come out of a conversation with someone else? And for most cases, the answer is yes. So you write about this art installation that has to do with um, essentially anonymous confession. Yeah. It reminded me of several years ago, there was another art installation at the Rubin Museum in in Manhattan where um, they had index cards in the entry where people could write down, you know, without signing, just completely anonymously, their greatest fear and their greatest hope. And there was this whole wall of hope and this whole wall of fear. And, you know, and the fears were things that people might not ever tell anyone, but there they were for everyone to read and to realize, wow, this is what it is to be human. All these fears, you know, afraid of, afraid of being homeless, afraid, you know, afraid of dying, afraid no one will love me, you know, I mean, just so basic that it was very powerful. I mean, could you talk a little bit about that, that installation that you were, that you referred to in the book? So this installation was also inspired by something very similar to what you just described, where, if you can remember what it was like in 2016 after the presidential election, which feels so far away right now, um, what was happening at that time in New York is is this guy, um, Matthew Chavez, this, this artist, um, had set up essentially just piles of pens and post-its. And in the sub, it was essentially, this was taking place inside the subway, asking people to just write out their feelings on a post-it and put it on the wall. And, and it was just this outpouring uh, of emotion on each, on each individual post-it, you know, things like, let's stay together. We, we can like work through this um, since the nation at that time had never felt so divided. And so just walking and there was so many at its peak, there was about 50,000 post-its in the Union Square station. And it was just this huge display of different colors. And, and, and when you looked up close, these different emotions and it so happened that uh, maybe two years after that, I was walking through the subway one day and I saw another version of this same installation, but this time it was called Sticky Note Secrets. And there were the bla- these black post-its and silver ink r- writing on, on them, revealing these, these secrets. And so I saw this installation. I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> and I like took a photo and then I just kept walking. And then I thought, wait a minute. And I turned around and, and went back and started reading them more carefully. And it's a good thing I did because that's when I met Matthew Chavez, who was taking down the post-its for the night. And his name for his project is is subway therapy where, you know, the the very early versions of this kind of installation was him sitting at a table saying, you know, essentially like uh, the, you know, Lucy and the peanuts being like, I'm here for you. uh, Talk to me about anything. And and that's what eventually became subway therapy. And so he was telling me about the history of this and he was telling me about something that he had always wanted to 
do, which is like create a telephone version of this where you picked up a receiver and you can listen to other people's secrets or reveal your own. And a few months later, him and amazing engineers and me doing very little <laughs> together, we put together the secret telephone and put it up in different parks in, in New York City. And at some point, people were lining up to reveal their secrets on the secret telephone. Wow. That's amazing. So you, you'd be like just walking down the street or walking through the park and there would be a phone? Yeah. So it, it was like a wooden table with like a, like a landline phone on it, which of course is so rare to see a landline period these days, let alone um, in the middle of Central Park. Huh. And there was just a banner that said, some, you know, get something off your chest, the secret telephone. We'll be back in a moment with more Family Secrets. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com. The lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com, that's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 
Has there been any research about whether it's in some way easier to write a secret down than to speak it? There is something, once you say it out loud, it's undeniably a, a real thing. There's research on, you know, journaling as a way to work through traumatic experiences or just coping with anything that you're struggling with. And, and journaling can work, but only under certain conditions. Uh, if, if what you're using your journal for is rehashing the past and how bad you feel about it, unfortunately, their journal just becomes a written record of harmful rumination. And so when journaling really works well is when you're using it to challenge your counterproductive ways of thinking. Of course, that's really hard to do on your own. It's really easy to fall out of a conversation with another person. But the secret telephone is interesting because you're speaking your secret into the receiver knowing that at some point someone will also listen to it and hear it. And, you know, that's what's different about that compared to writing in a journal. And then, of course, there's post-secret. That project is still ongoing where people write their secrets on a postcard and, and mail them in. And actually on this podcast, we have a toll-free number where people can call in and and share their share their secrets. And every once in a while, we'll actually share one or, you know, share a few just anonymously on the show. But, you know, I've been so moved and struck by how many people call in and just, just want to say, and, and know that we're going to hear them. We're going to hear the stories. And that's the purpose is there's somebody on the other side who's listening. There's some research totally separate from what we're talking about now that essentially shows people a message that someone has written, you know, the, in words, or you hear it, the audio recording of the person speaking. And to hear someone's voice is, is far more humanizing. There's something special about saying it out loud, not alone in a room, but saying it out loud in a manner that one time someone, sometime else, someone will hear it. I'm curious what you learned as the years you know, have gone by, this decade has gone by since your father told you and your your parents, you know, agreed to tell you about your genetic origins. What have you learned from them about what it was like, um, the trajectory over the course of your life and and your brother's life of of keeping that secret? And And if I'm not mistaken, there were other people in your family who knew, so it wasn't yeah. a secret that only you know, that your parents were, quote-unquote, taking to the grave with them. There were others who knew it was you and your brother who didn't know. I think the two main big things that I learned in, in asking my parents more about what it was like to have the secret was first, you know, when it started to become a problem for them. And it seemed to be come problematic for my mother um, because, you know, the situation is like now he's a teenager and I'm maybe in my early 20s and he's starting to, as any person does, you know, starting to think about which traits they've inherited from which parent and and starting to extrapolate and started asking questions around this, not questions about genetics, but like, oh, do you think I'm going to inherit this trait or, you know, when I'm an adult, I'll be like this instead of this, the way, you know, you are. And that, of course, that kind of questioning would make anyone in my parents' situation really uncomfortable. Uh, and that was sort of the first clue that, you know, my my parents might one day reveal this secret because it was incredibly awkward for my mom to, to try to navigate those questions, you know, not 
difficult conversationally, but just emotionally uncomfortable. And so, you know, I think that's what eventually was one of the reasons why this secret eventually came out. But the other was learning about who else was involved in this decision. And I was so surprised, shocked uh, to learn that there was another major player in, in this secret, which was my dad's mother, my grandmother. And she so much did not want us to ever learn this secret. And I wish I could talk to her about it today and, you know, tell her it's okay, but that's, that's not how that, that's not the timing. Um, and she just really didn't want us to learn this because she felt so close to us and, and she didn't want us to feel not part of the family on, you know, on my dad's side. And, and me and my brother were, were so close with both my dad's parents and I think the reason my grandmother not just didn't want us to learn it is she just didn't want anything to interfere with those relationships. You know, when I found out that I wasn't genetically related to them, it made those relationships for me more special, not less that they that they weren't based in any sort of sense of genetic obligation or anything like that, that they treated us as their grandchildren, as if we were genetically related to us. And and for me, that just makes the relationships more special to, to learn that they weren't based in genetics. But unfortunately, I can't, I can't tell her that. That's really moving and also a, a loss because um, wouldn't it have been wonderful for her to know that it didn't matter, that it, yeah. that it, that it didn't matter, it didn't matter to her uh, and it didn't matter to her, but also that it didn't matter to you. Uh, yeah. And it didn't matter to your brother, and and I think that that's always you know the fear is it's gonna it's gonna make a difference, and mm-hmm. you know that goes back to well then then it has to be then it has to be kept secret, and then and then it remains this this um, you know in some way psychically the elephant in the room. Yeah, I mean everyone has secrets because um, your research showed that at any given moment all of us you know on an average are carrying how many secrets if, as you define them 13, 13. and that, that includes some of the dormant ones we were talking about too but um yeah that, you know, that includes some small ones and, and big ones it's it's the whole picture and and we're not just all keeping many secrets even you know while only some of them are currently relevant to today we're all keeping the same kinds of secrets yeah and that's so important to note because if we only if we only realized that, like really on a deep level realized that, it would just kind of explode the need to keep so many of them. Yeah, as isolating and personal as a seeker can feel, we all have similar ones. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite, with just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. Right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease right here right now find your beautiful new floor at right rug flooring choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee visit rightrug.com that's r-i-t-e-r-u-g.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you 24-month financing is available with approved credit for 90 years we've been right here right now Right Rug Flooring. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you on the hunt for a new home this spring, but don't know where to start? Fisher Homes is your solution. Your new home should reflect you from the front door to the kitchen and even your outdoor space. Start your journey by selecting your ideal home site, like in a cul-de-sac or that's tree-lined, and then choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans. Bring it all together at our Lifestyle Design Center. Let Fisher Homes be your new home solution this spring and start making memories at fisherhomes.com.